and welcome to Victims of Fashion, a snag podcast where we celebrate positivity and inclusivity, all while giving the fashion industry the middle finger. My name is Polly Jean Harrison, I am your host and I'm on the content team here at Snag and today I am joined by the absolutely wonderful Josephine. Josephine, thank you for coming on the podcast with me today. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm very, very excited and privileged to be joining you. Yes, I'm so excited to have you here. I feel like oftentimes when I think of Snag as sort of a company and a concept, your face almost always comes to mind because you're just everywhere. You're all over the website. You're all over our social media. You are like one of our go-to models that you just, I think is is so wonderful. Yes, you can't get rid of me. I'm everywhere. <laughs> Quite a few friends who uh, who are newbies to Snag have gone on there and said, oh my goodness, you're everywhere. You're in every pair of tights. But I, I am so proud to be uh, a representative of snag and it happened entirely organically and i suppose accidentally really that with the inception of instagram snag and i were both kind of launching ourselves at exactly the same time and um i had not worn tights for so many years because i genuinely found them hideously uncomfortable and so frustrating and i i'm one of those people that has to be comfortable to be in a good mood um and and tights did not do that for you and i wore them during my attempting to be sexy 20s um when i was (laughs) (laughs) when i was doing clubbing and that kind of thing because you felt like you had to really and I love tights. That's the thing. The idea of tights was wonderful, but they just never lived up to mm-hmm. your hopes and dreams about them. And then I found Snag and I don't even really know why I clicked the link and, and bought my first pair. And I bought a disastrously too big size as well. So I didn't even give them a farewell, but instantly I knew that they were totally different. And I know when you when you say it now and you and when you work for the company or, or like me you represent the company you feel as if people think you're giving them a sales pitch yeah, I know. and you really want to say but no really 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 but that's what happened for me it was that moment and it just opened up my wardrobe exponentially really as my husband will attest by the huge amount of clothes that I now own to match my snag collection amazing and I know exactly how you feel about the sales pitch because I'll be like walking somewhere like shopping or whatever and somebody like oh my god I really love your tights I'll be like oh they're from snag they're these and you feel like I'm not trying to sell them to you I promise I just they're really cool and you want people to know about them and one of my biggest frustrations is my straight size friends who say, oh, you you model those tights for big ladies. And I think, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You're still wearing horrible tights because you think that only <laughs> snag only fit bigger people. And that's just wrong. You are missing out on something. And I still have one particular friend who I am determined <laughs> to get into snags is going to be their Christmas present. Um, and uh, because they just they don't believe me that that the is such an enormous difference in the way that they make you feel in the comfort factor but there definitely is as we know yeah absolutely we'll we'll just continue (laughs) spreading the snag message for sure yeah um i think i want to get ellen into a little bit about how you did start um you know becoming a representative of snag but first of all tell us a little bit about yourself who who are you josephine who who am i Ooh. um well um i live in buckinghamshire and um i we moved here from london and i'd lived in london for about 20 years i went to drama school there to mount view theater school um trained to be an actress um trod the boards and did the screens for a few years but if i'm really honest um I found it terrifying. I found the whole life utterly terrifying. 
And I was so far out of my depth that I, I can't even uh, describe it in words, I think. And it's the whole concept of running yourself as a business, mm. which is so much more familiar to us now. Um, but then, or to me anyway, when I went into London and started living by myself and started trying to sell myself as a, as a commodity, I was crap at it, really, to be honest with you. And I didn't get an agent straight out of drama school. So I was flailing around. Um, I, did, I, was a, I was in a two-woman comedy team and we won an award at Edinburgh Festival in, I think, 1993. Um, and that should, had we understood how to work the system that should have launched me into I don't know at least maybe a tv job or something like that but it didn't happen because we were woefully um naive about how everything worked and and we didn't understand how to cut to capitalize on that um so I ended up um falling into teaching when we moved here and I don't I'm not a trained teacher I don't teach in a regular uh, role but I go into schools taking workshops and classes that teach uh, poetry and drama to kids and poetry I'd say is probably my speciality now um, I adore kids poetry there's so much wonderful material out there and what I do is go in um basically make them all laugh and sh make them unafraid of words and poetry and then get them to find their own voices which is my absolute joy and love in life I love helping kids to find their voice so we start off by you know demonstrating and then we listen and so a lot of what I do is listening and just showing genuine appreciation for hilarious children um, and children with some really serious issues as well so sometimes um, I'm crying at the back of the classroom because you do what what we allow is for kids to unravel what's going on in their worlds, and sometimes that gets you right in the gut. I have to say, and I, that's that's but, really important as well. I think I think a lot of mm, times it's hard to know what to say. Um, yeah, and, and it's important to say I don't know what to say because I think it's important for kids to understand mm. that adults don't have all of the answers, and that we're not always getting it right or saying exactly the right thing either. Uh, and I've really learned that over the years. In, in, in my early days of teaching, I thought I always had to know the answer to any question. Mm. And now I know that, in fact, honesty is so much more important than that. Um, and so I, my, my joyous dressing comes into that, really, that I dress. Uh, sometimes I theme dress. Like today I've had fried egg earrings on um, because we were doing breakfast-themed poet poetry today. They've been writing breakfast-themed poems. So, uh, yeah, fried eggs. And, and and you and I bonded at a snag shoot over our uh, joint alien earrings, which are beaming up cows into the into spaceships. Yes, we did. Um, I've, yeah, I like a bit of those. And the kids, it, it started off, I suppose, dressing for the children as an excuse mm. for me to actually wear what I secretly really wanted to wear anyway. And I could say, oh, it's for the kids if anybody cast aspersions. But then no one did. So... <laughs> here I am I love that and I love I love uh, the job that you do I remember when we met on that snag photo shoot and you said that you were a poetry teacher I was like of course you mm. are look at you <laughs> there is nothing else you could possibly be and I bet you're wonderful at it um oh thank you so if so with all this teaching and, and poetry a very noble pursuit absolutely but then how did you get into Instagram and content creation because you've got a, a very nice sizable following at the moment I think 18,000 last time I yeah something like that yeah I think um it started really with me going on one day and thinking, oh, there are a few people on here. I think I'm very visual anyway. Mm. I think I'm a very visual person. And Instagram's definitely the platform for 
visual people. Um, my husband's an artist and an art teacher, and he says I should have gone to art school because I think I think quite visually. Mm-hmm. A lot of my poetry that I write myself is is really bringing forth visual images, and that's that's the intention of it. Um, and I guess that's what I was looking for, a way to express myself visually. And because I live in quite a small town um, in Buckinghamshire, which is not the metropolis of the world, um, I think after moving out of London, where I'd lived for 20 years and where there is just you just see pe- much more self-expression walking around on the streets in London. Mm-hmm. It's much more common to see fabulous outfits and uh, people I suppose, really being themselves in London. And when I came here, that wasn't the case. And I was a relatively new mum. Um, and I think I just conformed, really. I didn't know what else to do. So I started wearing jeans, which aren't really very me. There's nothing wrong with jeans, let me just say, but they're not really very me. And I started wearing sort of nice little tops and being a Bowdoin-y sort of mum. And that's really not who I am. But I thought I had to be to fit in mm. here. Um, and so Instagram was me finding my people on Instagram. I found other people who were also somewhere perhaps in a corner of the world where they didn't feel at the moment that they had their their people around them, people who were also interested in how exciting it was to have found a top for two quid on the two pound rail in the charity shop or that, uh, you know, who wanted to wear feathers in their hair and flowers and paint their, you know, their their eyes blue or whatever. You know, that kind of, mm-hmm. that kind of what would be deemed mad, mad lady <laughs> wear clothing or art teacher clothing, I've heard it described as my style. Um, and I wanted to do that. And it started perhaps, well, it didn't start on Instagram. It started when I lived in London. It dulled down when I first moved here quite considerably. And then Instagram gave a resurgence of that uh, of my interest in self-expression through through clothing and through anything that you can do to alter your physical style and your physical look I suppose I found my people there and particularly during lockdown um, loads more people of my age came onto Instagram because it was quite a young Mm. person's platform when I first came on and I wasn't talking to very many other people who were I'm 50 what am I one now 51 um and I always forget now um and there was almost nobody else who wasn't in their 20s maybe 30s and gradually gradually during lockdown they started to appear all these other women around the the world who um who wanted to play dress up (laughs) and it was wonderful and I I had felt as if I was kind of shouting into the void before that and then all of a sudden there they were there they were the other the other women who who um had the same sensibility i suppose as me and so do you have a nice little community do you feel on instagram i think well that's where joyous dressing my hashtag came from is um after we we were a community but it was somewhat disparate and we didn't really know how to organize ourselves and i think we were all I suppose, on the frontier of creating what Instagram was and what our own corner of Instagram could be. Mm. And we wanted it to be something really positive and something not constrictive in the slightest, something that allowed for everybody to feel welcome. And so um, my friend uh, Ray actually uh, coined the phrase joyous dressing and we looked up to find out if that hashtag was used much and it wasn't. And so we started their hashtag joyous dressing community, um, which welcomes absolutely anybody who just wants to dress how they want to dress and, you know, um, ignore the rules. 
Absolutely. And I love how you share to your stories every day, like different people dressing joyously. And it's always such a nice thing to look at every day to see all these different like outfits, different people from, you know, all walks of life, all different kind of styles as well, I feel, but just people that are just generally happy about what they're wearing. Yes, absolutely. And I think that seeing that there are other people doing it, um, for, you know, all shapes, sizes, genders, whoever it may be, to see that other people are out there literally walking the streets doing what perhaps you would like to do, mm. what you would dare to do, if you had a friend who lived next door who was doing it too, they're your friend in your pocket or they're your friend in your phone who is doing that as well. And they're kind of with you when you're out t- taking those chances, breaking those rules. And that feels nice. And, and yeah, I love the fact that well, that's why I share so many people, partly because I think um, Instagram as a platform is incredibly unfair. Almost all of them are, aren't they? Mm-hmm. But there are some incredible people who have got three people following them and, and you can just never understand why. Um, and then there are some people who, for me, I don't I don't get what the appeal of, it, of them may be. So I try to share people who perhaps wouldn't get seen quite so often, but also anybody really who's got a, a great look, a great message. And as you say, just has that joyful feel mm. in what they're doing. That's the aim of the game. So when did you start dressing for joy in, in your real life? And obviously you say you are on Instagram and you were kind of in the mum uniform. When did that transition happen of when you stopped dressing for Instagram and just started dressing for yourself well in the um in the early days of me being a mum um I had some friends in London who were artists and um and so then I think I was I was doing it then to be honest with you and it was only when I moved here and looked around and thought whoa I'm going to really stand out here and partly you think you're doing it for your child Mm. which is an interesting bit of psychology you think well my child is actually quite an introvert as well surprisingly coming from his parents (laughs) but he is and he was never deeply thrilled by the idea of me going out in these outre outfits so I think I came I brought it down a notch when we moved here, partly to fit in myself and to try not to embarrass anybody, but partly for him. And then my thinking changed, I'm afraid. Sorry, darling, uh, to my son. And I decided that I was miserable, frankly. If I'm really honest, I think I was miserable holding it all mm. in. Um, and I didn't think it was a good enough reason anymore to, to do it. <laughs> Sorry, Logue. Um, <laughs> but so the... the Instagram was the catalyst for a rebirth, I suppose, Mm. the rising of the phoenix from the ashes. Uh, And then once you've done it and you realise how much pleasure it gives you and you realise also once you've taken the few early risks, and that would always be my suggestion to people who are feeling they'd like to explore their inner art teacher style um, is to start small because you do need to prove to yourself that it's safe and I absolutely recognize that it is safer for other people uh, for some people in some bodies than it is for other people in other bodies to do and it also does deeply depend on where you live as to how safe all of these things are so I I completely recognize my privilege um, in living somewhere that is physically very safe for pretty much everybody, I think, here. It's not a high crime area and, and you know, I'm not going to get stabbed for wearing feathers mm. or, or a feather collar or, or, or you know, diamond, diamante earrings. But with all of that in mind, I think you still need, you still need some good experiences mm. under your belt. So start small if that is, 
if you're thinking of doing it i think actually and it sounds as if we're selling them again doesn't it but colorful tights is a good way to start it really honestly is and um and they pep up any outfit don't they and they give energy to an outfit especially if you go for pink or something that people will comment on reds and pinks mm. people always say nice things about those oh i love your tights um and once you've got those good experiences going then you you find that your natural creativity sort of bubbles and you think oh well i've got these red tights what can i get i pretty much buy everything that i have now from charity shops i always did but it used to be and i don't know if you've uh, are you a charity shop shopper Paul? i am yeah well i am i would be a more of a charity shop shopper if uh, my size was more available but that's exactly but it. i i do do my best and have got some absolutely wonderful things from charity shops before and it's such a great feeling when you find that thing, isn't it? Mm. But that's exactly where I was going is if we, I'm a size 22 UK and it used to be that really you only maybe would find a crimpline or polyester mm-hmm. beige trouser suit or something um, <laughs> for, that was aimed at the mother of the bride or something like that um, in charity shops. And there really wasn't much, if anything at all. Um, I did pretty well out of jumble sales back in the day. And I would often get men's suits and waistcoats mm. and things and retailer them because I can sew. I haven't had my sewing machine out in years, but I can um, and, and make them into my sort of thing. That's what I used to do when I lived in London. We work um, old hippie dresses and make them into skirts or whatever it may be to fit my plus size body. Um, but these days I live near um, Bletchley and don't ask me why, but Bletchley near Milton Keynes has an amazing size positive charity shop scene going on. I don't know oh, quite what happens okay. there. I don't know where all these clothes are coming from. I don't know where all these women are because I haven't seen them on the streets, but I have had such a lot of luck. So I'd say probably 75% now if not more of my clothes are charity shop finds um, and that gives me a, a lot of joy and also it means that you can make mistakes mm. without having to spend a lot of cash yeah. which is a great thing to be able to do you can try something out you can try a color or you can try a style that you're not sure about um, but again, I know I am speaking from a, a place of privilege, partly because I live near Bletchley and they have size 22, sometimes 24 and 26 in Bletchley. Um, um, but I absolutely have not seen um, that size range in charity shops elsewhere. And it's a bit of a bugbear of mine that so many women of my age on Instagram are down on charity shop shopping. They, they're saying it should be left charity shop produce stuff should be left for people who are in financial need and I do get that I absolutely do um but also if you are in a plus size body I, I did a little when we were I knew we were going to do this I had a look at Milton Keynes shopping center which is the nearest big shopping center to me and I counted how many shops there are selling clothes there and I counted how many I could actually go in mm-hmm. today and buy an outfit from realistically and there are 16 clothing shops of sorts in there and I think I could realistically buy an outfit from probably four of Mm. those um, if I went in tomorrow Uh, and that would be because they either don't stock size 22 or they really only stock a very limited number of things in that size so I personally think that charity shop shopping for the plus size person is possibly a slightly different ball game to everybody else and thrifting is great thrifting is wonderful but you can't get everything there um and so when you do find things 
um, it's, it's, it's extra exciting. I think that probably gives us a buzz that no one else... I once found a dress in a charity shop in my size. Uh, it was in a size 28. It's the only time I've ever seen anything in a size 28 yeah. in a charity shop. So I bought it and I've never worn it since. <laughs> but I just, I just had to buy it because it was my size. Yeah, absolutely. Because you like colours as well, don't you? You're quite a colourful person. I am so. a very, very colourful person. Yeah, and it's interesting what you said about, you know, taking the small risks when you're trying to sort of open up your style and wardrobe because mm. that's kind of exactly what I did I kind of have a very similar experience to you in terms of going from like your jeans um, and tops to yeah. your artist dressing whatever yeah because obviously being um, a plus size girl it was always very much wearing what I call fat girl uniform which yeah. is just big jeans and like a big man's unisex size top and that yeah. was just all I wore until I was about 19 because that's all I knew how to wear yeah and then when I was at university um I it again it's gonna sound like we're, we're pushing them but we're really not I just <laughs> I found snag and I bought myself a pair of snag tights and I was like right okay I've got the tights I need a skirt now mm. and so I went out and I bought a skirt and so I was wearing it was um they were just black tights with I went for a neon orange skirt which probably yes. like the like <laughs> a really a color I love now but at the time probably the worst one to try and uh, blend into the new wardrobe <laughs> and then a blue jumper as well so the colors weren't quite off but then I went out in it and I remember I was like yeah I feel good and yes. it felt it was such a strange feeling and I remember just walking around campus because I was a very shy person when I was at university like I literally no one no one look at me no one talk to me I'm just gonna go and round and I just remember feeling really confident of me in this neon skirt that I'd never ever worn before and so that that was a really good day and then that kind of did spark being kind of my style now and I think if you saw my wardrobe now compared to what it was you know three or four years ago you'd think they were two different people like completely yeah that's really interesting, Polly, because I think I, I completely get the fat girl uniform. Before I went to drama school, when I was still in sixth form, um, I, again, I was still, I was making my own clothes. I was a bit of a weirdo in sixth form. <laughs> I was the slightly weird girl in the corner. Um, but I was really scared of my body. I was scared of, of my boobs. Mm. I was scared of my big bum. Um, and I, I'm tall as well, so I'm nearly five foot nine. And I was taller than most of the boys. And it wasn't, it wasn't, I, I think I just felt so unfeminine. So I did the same thing. I wore men's shirts, check shirts, yeah. and I had a lot of jeans then and trousers and black leggings and just trying to um, to hide that shape and, to, and mm. to put any shape I had out of the way. And I think I was probably the biggest girl in my school. There was mm. another girl called Joanne who I remember on, on the French exchange, she had um, a size 18, 90. And I was so bloody excited that someone else was not. <laughs> was a, and it was from Evans, which back in the day was oh, the only place. Evans. Yeah, it was the only place in, our, in my childhood or in my teens that did plus sizes and so I remember feeling kindred and this girl wanted to have nothing to do with me whatsoever she was quite cool and I definitely wasn't but I remember thinking oh my god there is someone else it was a really big moment and you Mm. didn't see fat women on television Mm. you didn't see big bodies anywhere really I desperately needed somebody to show me that you could exist in a bigger body and be a viable person mm. someone who had something to say yeah and I, I don't say fat girl uniform with like any negativity because I know some people just like wearing jeans and tops which is absolutely fine of course it's more just 
it's almost like that was what I was assigned to wear. Like if I wore yes. anything else, that was bad because I'm fat and fat yes, people can't have nice things because yeah. we're fat. And it's interesting what you say about role models, because um, even now, you know, we've still not got many uh, fat role models on TV not or anywhere many. else. Would your childhood self have benefited from Instagram and kind oh, of the God. the influences yes. that are around? <laughs> yes, yes, and yes, and yes. I mean, to be honest, I'm not sure in looking back at how desperate, and I and, and I'm not being unkind to myself, but I I recognise that as a as a teen I was just desperate to be mm. um to fit in to be normal um it, it, which is what I think all teens really want somewhere in there but I also didn't want to be like everybody else mm. <laughs> do you know what I mean I've I know always exactly what you mean yeah <laughs> I've always had that dichotomy and that that twin pull in in in, in opposite directions um of wanting to, to stand out but not wanting to stand out for being bigger bodied or for being tall or for being unfeminine but wanting to stand out for I don't know any other good reason a n other reason um and I wanted to be the artistic one and I wanted to be different and stylish and and I think my my grandma was a, was a model and she was a um she was a model in the courts of the queen I believe she went and modeled for the queen mother um and so there was this idea in my family that beauty was very much a certain thing mm -hmm. it was my grandmother who was um slim in her youth although to be honest she was probably plus size by the time she reached her 30s and 40s I would have thought um but she absolutely <laughs> flatly denied it and we used to have to buy her clothes um, for Christmas and birthdays and things and cut the labels out because she refused to accept that she might be a size 16 um, and, and not the size 10 that she was telling everyone she was so we would have to cut the labels out and just everyone did this big pretense so there was a there was the dance of 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 normality going on in my family home my mum was always on a diet um, I was always on a diet from about the age of 12 onwards and it was miserable but it felt as if that's what you had to do is if you had to be constantly trying to show that you were changing what you were because clearly what you were was wrong and bad and shameful and obviously lazy and all of those things and actually I'm not any of those things I know I'm not I'm really energetic vibrant person um, and it and that's got nothing to do with my body it's just it that we are not our bodies and I stopped apologizing for it somewhere along the line and started to say right what can I do with this then what is what can be celebrated here um, and it turned out all of it <laughs> all of it can be celebrated and and, I, and whenever I hear people who are having a massive fight with themselves about accepting trying to not celebrate necessarily even but just accept their body I, I have to say patience is the only way patience with yourself I mean not with everybody else they can <laughs> they have to get with the program but patience with yourself because it is a slow thing mm. I don't know if you found that as well Polly but it it's a slow it is process a very you can't do journey. it overnight I think you it's it's not only a slow journey of trying to figure out what it is that you want to do you know if you want to dress in a certain way it's figuring that out but then yeah. it's also unlearning a lot of the stuff that has been forced on you from yes. other people whether it's you know your family or like just society in general the school bully yes. it's you know it's it's trying to unlearn that and and open up your mind to being like no 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 just because I'm fat doesn't mean that 
I can't wear the skirt, you know, even if mm. in the back mm. of your mind you've got, I don't know, the voice of your mother going, ooh, that's a bit short, ooh, that shows off things that you don't want to show <laughs> off. Definitely, I do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's it's about <laughs> unlearning that. And it's, you know, you're saying being on diets. I've been on a diet since I was about four, I think, probably. At the, mm. I've always been a chunky child. Um, yeah. And it's letting that go. And, I, and what you said about standing out I don't know if you saw me do a little bit of a a one of those (laughs) that is exactly how I felt sort of once I I did the scary thing and started wearing the skirt and the tights I really kind of went a bit mental with my wardrobe and sort of started wearing like really weird stuff I remember having a conversation with my mother once being like why do you wear such such strange things she was like she was cool she wasn't like having a go she was just like genuinely curious like why are you wearing such weird stuff and I, I remember speaking to yeah. her it's then it's so people will notice me not because I'm fat yeah it's so people will see my really dumb shirt or like my really bright clothes and that's the first thing they'll notice about me not the fact that I'm fat because everyone else defines me as being fat that's the first thing that people see or at least that in my mind that's what people see and yes. if someone was good to describe me they'd probably say oh you know polly the fat girl because that it's a good it's a good descriptor to be fair you know how many fat pollies do you know um but <laughs> you know and it, it's so it was it was trying to break out of that and be like well if i dress a bit silly people are going to know me for being the silly dresser and not yes. just being the fat girl in the corner but that's quite powerful, isn't it? And, you know, I'd never thought about it like that, Polly, because I think that's a really good reason for it. Another really good reason for dressing in, in a out, out there sort of a way, if that's mm. what you want to do. Because it does, it it, it reclaims your personage, doesn't it? It reclaims mm. what you're projecting to the world. That's a really interesting way of looking at it. And I hadn't thought of it like that. And I wonder if maybe younger me, that's, that's what started me on the road, actually, is for trying to be something that anything else that wasn't fat. Mm. Um, and wasn't big and ungainly, which is and what I like, felt like. It's not even necessarily about the the being fat being a bad thing. Obviously, when I was twenty, being fat was a terrible thing. And it yeah, was the worst thing possible. And I now always I don't feel like that way. But I think it's 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 removing the negativity because I'm always going to be fat, and I don't. If people refer to me as like fat Polly, that's fine. Or if you know people see me as fat, that's mm. fine. That's not necessarily mm. the problem. It's removing the negative connotation from that. It's about taking the the negativity away from fat. And if yes, if that's how I can do that by dressing sort of nicely or dressing it a bit differently and yes. trying to move that negativity away, it's all it's reclaiming the language, isn't it? Oh, I wish we could fast forward. Because do, do you see it coming? I feel like it's coming. I feel like we're, it's, I don't know, we're taking small steps towards it. Certainly mm. there has been a sea change in my lifetime um, in attitudes. But fat bodies is still one of those ones that not everyone's on board with. It's okay to be mean to a fat person, isn't it? It's, you, yeah, you're allowed it to be still. rude. You, it, at, the, at the moment, you can't really be mean or negative or rude or horrible to anyone else without some sort of backlash but if you do it to a fat person it's absolutely fine absolutely and you know what I think there's such massively mixed messages in schools around this Mm. and obviously that's where I do the majority of my week's work is in schools and I go in as this kind of blasting positive force where I can but I do still hear such a lot of negativity coming out of the mouths of educators and um, it's and often it's self-directed so it's a teacher describing themselves um, Mm. in a bad way and saying I was really naughty today I had a biscuit for breakfast and that in there goes that message to those children and they're not trying to do that they're not trying to be fat biased or or fat phobic but these little tiny messages go in and 
one of the saddest things that about my job is that the word in poetry guaranteed to get children to laugh uniformly is still fat. Mm. There's no other word that I could use in a poem and 100% know that I would make all of those children laugh. They still see it as something that is completely acceptable to ridicule. Mm. And if it's a fat hippo, hooray. If it's a fat person, not so great. Um, and so we do still have a lot of work to do in reclaiming the word and changing its connotations. And I think there's always going to be that horrible bugbear of health hanging over yeah. our head. And that's why it's still acceptable in schools, because teachers and educators think they're giving a healthy message when they're critical. But I have heard teachers in the playground exclaim loudly, oh, we've got so many fat children in this school. That's horrific. Not even caring that the fat children around them can completely hear what they're saying and also that they're talking to me yeah. a fat person so it's still in there it's still it's still out there but I do feel without wanting to go too long on a negative note that that there are plenty of people out there trying mm. to change it um and I think child it's very interesting how young it starts as well because this I, I honestly could say this to ages four and five and, and and know that they would still laugh at the word fat so it starts really really young it therefore almost certainly must have come mm. from home from a home background so that's really where we need to make the change and we've made the change on lots of other sociological uh, matters in at that age group and around that time so if we were to get the first early years educators all on board with us I think that could be an incredibly powerful thing and most of them are still on board with getting kids healthy and getting kids fit at the moment and they see weight as being anti that so unfortunately they're still trying to fight against that so we need to destigmatize that I think in early years setting and that would be a really really good way forward yeah and I but it's it's why I'm always very much you know I just I just call myself fat because that's what I am yeah and yeah. I know I know some people get horribly offended by that on, on my behalf because yeah. they're like, oh, exactly. No, oh, fa oh, fad is like you've said no, a, don't a swear say word that about yourself. Exactly. They say. Yeah. Um, and or you're not fat, you're beautiful, which I've yeah. had so many times. Um, <laughs> yeah, plenty of times. But so and it's it's just this. It's interesting what you say about kids, though, and I think we all know that it is fat phobia is a learned behaviour, right? Like it's. Mm. It, you mm. see it on TV or you see it at home and then you think, oh, that's all right. Yeah. And so we'll uh, we'll make jokes about it. But I, I do think I agree with you. I think there's there's change coming. I think it's it's there. I feel like we're the next category. Yeah, just like, Surely come on, it's our go. Are. It's our go. It must be our turn. Understand that. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it's so obvious from our perspective, isn't it? Because we've mm. grown up in these bodies, and um, I think I don't know. As an adult, the smallest I've been is a size sixteen, and it's not about dress sizes. Um, obviously, it you know everybody's body is different, and clothes sizes look so different on everybody. But I have got fat bits on me, mm. and there's and I always have had, and I always will have, and I'm not intending intending to do anything about it. Certainly not on purpose. So I I also now self describe as fat, and it and I agree, and particularly in my generation, and and I'm sad to say, often a lot of the unpleasant comments that I see on social media are from women of my sort of age and older, mm. and that was because we were programmed as children that mm. fat was bad, that it was shameful, that you should hide yourself away, and um, and I still see an awful lot of older women on my on my um 
uh, making comments on my picture saying things like oh you're so brave I could never show my bingo wings you're so brave brave. you're that, so brave the word brave so follows horrifying. me around and yet you put pictures of yourself out there anyway how brave yeah <laughs> and it, and, and pe- i think people genuinely actually are trying to be kind that's the thing i think that <laughs> they don't mean it it's like you say it's just so ingrained in them that they that's how they think to react and they can't see any other thing to, to them i you are doing something brave because absolutely they couldn't possibly think about doing it themselves because it, you know it's because it's, they it's know terrible. better it's horrific. because they follow the rules yeah. the rules and everybody and one of the things that and i'm really interested that you haven't asked me and, and i love that you haven't asked me one of the things that when i'm talking about joyous dressing people always want is the rules of joyous dressing the rules is there is no rules that's it yeah is it that's the point really and but uh, so many people are confused by that and almost afraid of that idea that you you don't have to do anything to be right it's it, you just are it's just what you want to do mm. and we haven't been tuned into that we haven't been plugged into what we want both as women um to be feminist about it but also as fat-bodied people we have not been asked what we want we have not been mm. listened to we have been told to shush and sit in the corner and so we don't know what we want sometimes and it can be quite a difficult thing to ask yourself what do I actually want not what does my husband like not what does my best friend think I would look good in oh by the way she thinks my legs are a bit fat so I'd need to wear a skirt down to my knees and uh, uh, not what my mum said not what the papers say not what would you know the list goes on what do I want that's a really tough question and it takes mm. experimentation often to find mm. out um and it's again with the time isn't it and the patience and and you can't do it overnight but yeah the, I think the programming was extra specially good in my parents generation uh, because my mum certainly and my dad to be fair my dad um, sometimes and my I, I love my dad dearly and he's changed a great deal now but he brought me up in very much the ways of a 1950s dad and mm-hmm. he was openly revolted by my body and he didn't really make any bones about it my mum was somewhat gentler but she was permanently on a diet and she made it very clear that that was my (laughs) what I needed to do in order to to be an okay person so those those roles were prescribed early and nobody Mm. uh, and I remember asking my mum I think I was probably about 11 and going to the first ever school disco and we went out shopping and I had to go to obviously Evans um, because that's what all there was and there was a pink rara dress which was absolutely fabulous pink satin and then there was a black um, kind of a, 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 a demure evening dress for, for a lady <laughs> who might have a cocktail and I put on the pink rara dress and went right this is it mum yes this and she said no absolutely no 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 way and she didn't have to say why she put me in the high necked long armed quite mm. long black evening dress because I was embarrassing as a fat fat daughter and mm. I felt her shame um, and and I don't I, I would hate for anybody else to be going through that now. I'm really hoping that we are at least teaching teaching our kids now that that, that isn't how, how life is going to work, that they understand what they want, that they have choices, that they can do anything with their fat-bodied life. They can do whatever they want because we've discovered it the hard way. It's if only we could give a shortcut to those kids. I hope we can.
How did you start working for Snag? Uh, oh, gosh. Um, I think Snag first approached me in um, my DMs on um, Instagram and said, uh, could we use some of your photos? I seem to remember, and I'm pretty sure this is true, that I've got a big, um, it's an M&S actually, fur, fake fur coat. It's pink. Um, and it's rather magnificent. And my husband bought it for me for Christmas a few years ago, probably about four years ago. And I wore it with Raspberry Pi tights, which are exactly the right colour of pink and nothing else. And stood outside in my back garden and took a photograph of it. And I remember feeling incredibly daring at the time. And Snag asked if they could use that one. And um, somewhere in there, I discovered or I was invited to come along to one of the first um wearer um photo shoots photo shoots that were from actual snagglers and rather than using professional models um and so i flew up it was very exciting i i, I was so so nervous about it and i i was on a um a fat forum on facebook and i told everyone on there what i was doing and asked the tips and oh what am i going to do it's so exciting and flew up to edinburgh to um to model in the first snaggler photo shoot um, and there were I met Bree there, and um, yeah, it was it was absolutely wonderful. We had Louise, I remember, who was the photographer at that time, and she was so positive, and she made us all feel fabulous. And there were a couple of people there who'd done modelling before, and kind of showed us the ropes. Um, and um, so it was just an incredibly positive um, experience. The whole thing, I felt incredible. It really made, and I remember walking back through the airport afterwards, going. I'm a model <laughs> to myself. And it's like wrapping yourself in spun gold. It just kind of, you float through the through the world with that kind of affirmation. And I remember thinking, bloody hell, everybody needs this. Everybody needs to know that they're good enough to be t- for somebody to want to take a photograph of them. And that's a really powerful thing. Um, and I've often pondered on whether or not there isn't some kind of, not exploitative, because as soon as you say business, you think, right, I'm going to exploit people and get them to pay money for this. But that's mm. that's a, a commodity. People need that. People need to know mm. that they can look incredible and that other people value them. And the way that the photographer spoke to us, you know, like, come on, yeah, give us give us a this and put your hand on your hip. And, and I thought, my God, this is real. This is a real thing. I'm really doing this. It was so exciting. And yeah, I just wanted to give everybody else the gift of that feeling afterwards. Um, And I raved about it, I think, (laughs) for ages afterwards. But that is really um, the essence of what what snags do for you, isn't it? And I remember actually being faintly horrified um, when I got the list of things that I was going to be modelling for that photo shoot. And it was chub rubs. And at the time, I was still of the mind that chub rubs was a sort of shameful thing. Um, mm. And so when I got there, I was like, oh, no, oh, no. Here was I thinking I was going to float around in tights and I have to wear chub rubs. But actually, even they looked incredible on the shoot. They felt incredible. They were yeah. so comfortable, unlike chub rubs I've had in the past. Um, they were super comfortable. They didn't make you sweaty and hot. Um, and they were in beautiful colours. So you actually wanted to show them off. So that was another first for me. But yeah, there's something about snags, isn't there, that just you feel really good in them. Um, it is, yeah. And it's like before I started working for mm. Snag, I I've been a big fan of Snag anyway. Like you know, I I was a full diehard yeah. or whatever you whatever you call them. Um, and it is just that feeling of wow, this someone's actually thought about yeah. this, and not only have they thought about it, but like I can have yeah. it. Me yes. 
my size 28 body I get to yes. have it and that is a lovely feeling it's one of the things that I, I will always love about mm. snag and you know and and when I started working with the company it was even better because it was like now I'm involved yes. in making the magic yes. in my small tiny little way and it's just oh it's so positive and it's just such a wonderful place to be um and it's interesting you say about the modeling because I'm actually going to be modeling next week for the very very first yes. time um so what do you have any tips for me as to how I can uh, be my best snag model oh yeah <laughs> I, well my my biggest tip is to just enjoy it because you forget when you're there it it kind of goes on fast but you press fast forward from the moment you stand in front of a camera and you forget to enjoy it and to notice it so my biggest tip who cares what 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 you look like in front of the camera that's sort of besides the point actually enjoy it stand there and take in the moment take in the moment and Mm. you know just really and that shows I think that shows in your face that you're having fun and enjoying it because that's the most important part of all of it and I think that's why I have been um uh, a snag model that people have have commented on in a pleasant way thank you to everybody that ever has because honestly I I still to this day love every single comment that anybody ever makes on my on my pictures or my photos or every time anybody oh. stops me and a few people have shouted oh you're that tights lady in the street and things like that my god I I still absolutely love that so thank you if that's you but I think what people what speaks Mm. to people is the fact that I'm actually just having fun doing it and that and that's it turns out is a good thing and that looks that looks great on camera so it just really comes across in your picture I think every time it flashes up being like oh we've had some new pictures from Josephine I'm like oh these are going to be good I know they're going to be good because you just look so happy (laughs) in every single one of them like every single picture you have ever done for snag or if you've been at a shoot you just look thrilled and it's just so wonderful like you could probably be wearing a bin bag and you'd still look absolutely amazing because you'd be so happy about it and just your face is so positive if i can wear snags with my bin bag i'll be happy I think that that would be a really interesting snag photo shoot, wouldn't it? Just snag Just bin, bag bin bag fashion. Can we make it work? Bin bags and tights, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been absolutely fantastic to talk to you, Josephine. I feel like we've we've prattled on for ages, but we've really gotten into some really interesting Good. things. Um, and I think, yeah, before before I let you go, I, I would just want to ask you two yes. more things. Uh, the first thing being, do you have a favourite snag product or a favourite tights colour? Uh, oh, that's a really tough one. And I think I say this is my new favourite about once a week. The cable ones, I love them. Fantastic. Um, and then finally, where can people find you if they want to hear more about you and, and the things that you're doing? Well, I think I'd probably look for me on Instagram. I'm Josephine Dervish or at Josephine Dervish um, on Instagram. And if you searched up hashtag joyous dressing, you'd find me and the whole joyous dressing community there as well. And absolutely everybody is welcome um, to come and join us. I do get a lot of people who've clearly found us from Snag. um, So thank you for that. But everybody's welcome. It's a really inclusive community. And and it isn't just about tights or tights wearing. It's about finding the strength and the power to wear what really makes you happy. Um, And there are a lot of people who'd support you on that journey in the joyous dressing community as well, even if it's just by giving you a like or, you know, a a nice comment. Um, But, yeah, I found some of my very best people um, 
in the world from joyous dressing and on instagram and from fellow snagglers as well so it's it's a beautiful community to be a part of amazing well brilliant well thank you so much for chatting with me josephine i've had so much fun um talking to you so have i thank you it's been a real pleasure we hope you enjoyed this episode of Victims of Fashion. If you want to hear more about Snag, you can head on over to our website, snagtights.com, where you can also find our online mag, Victims of Fashion, or you can find us on Instagram and Facebook, which is at snagtights. Tune in again next week for even more fantastic discussion from amazing guests on hard-hitting topics that we need to talk about. This podcast was produced by Snag Tights, and our podcast music was provided by the podcast host and Elite the Podcast Maker app. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one.